everybody. Welcome back to the Portsmouth Running Podcast after a, a little bit of a break um, with uh, your hosts uh, doing various races, uh, training situations and holidays, etc. I hope you're all well. I hope all the training's going well and you've enjoyed all the, the hot summer weeks that we've had in the past. And uh, on that note, I am pleased this week, as always, to be joined uh, by local legend and now UTMB TDS finisher, my co-host and lovely good friend, Dave Harvey. Hello, hello, hello. We're back. Um, we haven't done this for ages, Dan. It's, I do always say that. It feels like there's a massive, massive um, kind of gap between doing episodes at the moment, I think, because both of us have are leading yeah. chaotic lives. Yeah, we need to, like we were saying earlier, we're going to get, we're going to get on it. So we're going to get, we're going to get better. And we're actually going to, I'm going to commit to releasing another show within the next two weeks. How's that? Done. I should try and join you on that one. If I, if I can't, if I do my thing where you're like, should we record at five o'clock today? And then I'm not there at five. You should just record something anyway and put it out. <laughs> Probably more interesting. I'll do a, I'll do a, I'll do a, I'll do a, slow, a, a solo one and you'll be demoted. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, mate, Matt, look, huge congratulations. I know um, there's, there's quite a few uh, local runners in the area who were following you on your on your journey over to Chamonix, um, taking part in the, the 90 mile TDS, which you're now a finisher of, which is it must be pretty kind of surreal looking back, knowing that you've that you've now done that kind of race on your on your bucket list and stuff. But, you know, welcome back to to Clanners, the world of Clanners from Chamonix, literally from yes. heaven, heaven to earth. Right. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think you've done me out of almost five miles there, actually, Dan, because it oh. was actually almost 95 miles. Is that because you went wrong? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 it's not. They, they lie. They, they, they're typical kind of like trail runner, um, like uh, race directors, because whenever you go and do a, an ultra on the trail and they say, oh, it's 100 miles, it's always 105 or 103. So they... Uh, I think they advertise this one at 145 kilometres, which is about 1991, but it actually turned out to be more like 150. Oh. Damn, so, damn. And it was, okay. it was 100 and, uh, 150 kilometres of, of bloody hard, hard graft, which um, which is strange, you know, because like, I guess, and, and, and I, I said to you earlier, I was going to kind of describe what the whole UTMB week is in, in in a second just for those who kind of who, do, who haven't followed it before who are listening who may not know exactly kind of like the structure of the week but but your race is not the main race or what's i guess what's classed as the main race of the week yet it's harder practically just as long um which is kind of weird isn't it it's like your race kind of starts very early in the week and and isn't kind of like yeah. a real it's not a focus race to follow i guess which is which is kind of strange no, it's not. It, it's, it totally isn't. Um, so it's, it was around like 150 kilometres and uh, advertised, I think, at 9,100 metres of climbing, which but also that was sort of a little bit closer to 10,000 metres. But, you know, it doesn't really wow. matter. It's a lot uphill. It's a lot downhill. And so they, they somewhat changed the format of the week now. And they seems what, what seems to have happened is they've taken the TDS um away and the ptl away and a couple of other races and and focused on doing the utmb race the occ race and the ccc race is really their kind of like their focus races for the week mm. and they're the ones that they've kind of rim fenced so you have to now do a utmb event a buy utmb event to get into those races yeah because um Without, you know, 
I can't help but be opinionated on this matter because they got bought by Ironman some years ago or a couple of years ago. And in doing so, what they've done, rather than having UTMB points that you gain to then have enough points to go into the UTMB races, they've now bought up a load of races all around the world, made it exclusively UTMB, called it by UTMB, and they've basically bought all the money in-house. So you now cannot enter UTMB race, CCC race or OCC race unless you now do one of their races absolute okay. bastards <laughs> so yeah I guess really exclusive and pisses me right off yeah it's and, <laughs> and it's really hard isn't it it's like it's not like you can go and do like a centurion race like you can do where you get where you can get points to get into western states or anything it is literally just a, a real kind of like hand-picked selection of races around the world that you that you need to go and do and yeah I mean, there's only one in this country now that you can do to be able to get yourself a stone to go into the lottery. And that's the Ultra Trail Snowdonia over in Wales. Yeah, yeah. And and you have no other choice. If you want to do UTMB, you now have to do one of their races. You can't go and like do a collection of races to. And then, you know, like what I did whenever, both the times that I've been over to UTMB now, which is few years back I did the UTMB and this time the TDS yeah so I've never done a race because I want to do another race other than maybe western states but that like you know these things these qualifiers are always a quirk to the race that you want to do mm. now they've they've taken it away from that so if you want to do their races you have to do one of their other races it just feels yeah. like you know uh, up yours you know like they're they're basically building this brand and I think it's probably going to end up impacting other races by having fewer numbers in it yeah I think so maybe maybe it'll be this year Dave that like people who do go off and do those 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 qualifying races or the other by UTMB races perhaps maybe it's going to be easier to get into like like the races because there won't be as many people entering entering the lottery system so maybe maybe yeah Maybe, I think um, yeah, you'll have a higher chance got, of getting in. Yeah, there are other races around the area over in Chamonix and uh, and like the Mont Blanc Massif, though, and so it, it could be good for those ones because they'll it'll be harder to get onto the UTMB races. So maybe yeah. Ultra Trail, Monte Rosa, some of the tour races, they might gain gain some more people that want to come and do them, which will be good for them. But okay, it just makes it a little bit sad, like you know, but. I am being negative about the kind of corporate yeah yeah I, I get that direction yeah. of them. However, UCMB is amazing. <laughs> you know yeah, the whole dude, thing is amazing. It's, it's incredible. incredible. What a place! What a place! Yeah, it's ju- it's just like it's it is heaven on earth. That I, I just you know I, I still can't get over it. And I went there like you know two two three years ago now, and yeah, it's just I just can't wait to get back there and hopefully. Hopefully I'll make it next year, even if it's just to kind of yeah. watch stuff. But listen, you also, Dave, I've got to mention this. You've been, you've, I almost feel like you've been blessed by like the hand of of the running god, Jim Wormsley, because you, because <laughs> yes, you were finishing your race and he he came up behind you, didn't he, or, or twice or something, and he said he said something to you. Yeah. So um, <laughs> on the easiest part of the course, which is uh, between there's Hoosh, which is your final kind of aid station and, mm-hmm. and the finish in Chamonix. You basically come back into, into the valley that Chamonix is in. And Chamonix is this lovely, beautiful kind of town with very 
idyllic kind of uh, out type cabins and yeah. chalets in the middle of in the middle of a valley with Mont Blanc one side and then the other side there's a place called Brevon and it's it's really right in the middle of the mountains incredibly high peaks around it and you can't help but look up when you're there you know there's some like jagged rocks there's glaciers um, yeah there's beautiful sights and and it's an you know it really is incredible so you, you come back down into that valley so the final kind of six seven kilometers i think it was of the race is pretty flat and you go go down by the river mm -hmm. and this was what wednesday morning after the race starting on monday so i was pretty tired at the time not running very fast and uh this green streak started running towards me and i was like i noticed that running gate because he's <laughs> got this incredibly bouncy like stride about him hasn't he, he kind of bounces oh, yeah. along it's like music and oh. when he went past, past i was like I felt really privileged because you know he's one of the kind of the ultra running heroes i think he's probably my favorite runner out of all of them so i just called him a legend as he went past <laughs> and he was like curious man and then <laughs> like lo and behold 10 minutes later he came back and he was um and he gave me like a fist bump and he was like you're doing it man and i was oh, like oh man dude like i'm you know, i can't believe it happened to you man that's, that's such an i love it even just that little encounters like amazing like our hero jim warmsley <laughs> yeah it was awesome it was awesome and then you know that was like the cherry on on top of the cake man it was yeah. and, and i was just dead happy and and then and sort of went and did my finish really um but yeah i tds man i can't do you know what it's called what does it stand for i cannot remember um I, I can't but this might be a good idea very very quickly before you before you jump into like like what happened with the race to maybe kind of like describe the week a little bit right because this i mean this this episode is going to be all about your experience in chamonix and utmb and hopefully it will kind of like inspire people to you know maybe, maybe people who are going to do one of the one of the qualifying races to actually get out there and race so i'm, I'm going to attempt to describe what utmb is right so um, here goes. Correct me where I'm wrong, Dave. <laughs> so UTMB okay. takes okay. So so it takes place um, over the course of a week, pretty much. So I think it's it's like a it's like a Sunday to Sunday um, kind of event. Okay. Um, there there are about eight or nine races in total, but I think like you alluded to the fact earlier, where there's there's three kind of like main focus races, which are the the OCC, CCC, and UTMB race, which happen. Kind of closer to the to the end of the week on on the final weekend, uh, but there are a few other races kind of ranging from like a kids I think there's like a, is it a kids mini UTMB um, through to like the main race the UTMB race itself. Um, a, yeah. so there's a race there's a race that you did called TDS which is about 95 miles sorry, um, and uh, there's the other longer race called the the well, what's the long one called? The PTO. PTL, PTL. yeah, so that's a really long one that starts on the Monday, I think it is. Leon. Yep, yep, and and basically all the races kind of you know go around the mountains through different routes. Um, some kind of overlap a little bit, like UTMB actually finishes along the CCC route, for example. But they all kind of end um, and finish in Chamonix uh, with that kind of epic stretch in, into town, past all the pubs and restaurants and people clapping and stuff. It's 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 pretty amazing. It always happens at the end of August. I mean, I guess kind of it's it, it does feel like the running kind of center of the world um, for that week, Dave. So you know, is there anything else yeah. you kind of kind of well, that, add to that? that is, 
they're the sort of self-proclaimed World Series finals, aren't they? It's the self-proclaimed, yeah. you know, summit of ultra running um, yep. and summit of trail running, really, um, with their flagship race, which is the UTMB that happens on a on a Friday night, which is the 105 miles around the Mont Blanc Massif. Yeah, that follows the tour. I think it's the Tour de Mont Blanc Trail. So that's very, although it's very hilly, there are some rocky bits. It is a recognised trail. So it's quite quite easy to follow, and it's not not quite as sketchy as you might find around that area, which I okay. certainly found on the TDS. <laughs> so, so Dave, when did you like like I guess when did you travel up? And you, and obviously you travelled with Heather because Heather had entered the the OCC 50k race, um, and you were travelling yeah. with with Hetty as well. So so you, so you took you took your daughter Hetty along. Um, Tra- travel was all okay. You had a nice kind of kind tra- of place, cabin to stay. Yeah, tra- travel was fantastic. Actually, we um, although it was one of the sober, most sober travels that I've ever had because <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in the lead up to things like this, I tend to do some self-enforced sobriety just to try and, try and make sure that I'm as fit as I can possibly be for it. Yeah, say that until after the race. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you know, like one of my anxieties was uh, actually. Uh, traveling with Hetty because I thought you know babies on planes should be a nightmare but she wasn't she was good as gold and from Heathrow Swiss Air straight into Geneva and nice. then you get the Alpi bus from like a transfer bus from Geneva which is like an hour's drive into Chamonix and we yeah. stayed up in a part of Chamonix called La Praz which was okay. a couple of miles out so it was about a sort of 20 minute walk into, into Chamonix really into where all the ice cream shops are okay um so it was it was lovely i mean from you know from the from the apartment you could look out and you could see the the top of mont blanc and you can see all of the mountains like there, there's no way that anyone is going to have a hunchback uh, living around there because you just constantly stare at the top of these mountains and look up because it it's amazing it's yeah. just so grand it takes your attention um, yeah and it's, you know it, it makes you feel lucky and like that was one of the things I found in the race is that you know, however crap things are, however bad you feel, you're lucky at that point in time to be there, and mm. it's, you must never forget that. Yeah, it's it that feeling of of like when you were just saying just now, just looking up at the mountains. I can't. I've said it before on the show. I think you can't get over the fact that you feel so so insignificant and tiny compared to what you're looking at, and and even when you're looking at the mountains, you you can't really even grasp the the perspective of it because I remember looking through some some binoculars when I was there and then realizing that you know some of the bits you look at you think are closer than they are but they're actually yeah they're ginormous but they are so goddamn far away as well which makes it even more epic so yeah you can't you can't help but every kind of hour just look up at the look up at UCMB yeah. or, or Mont Blanc and just yeah and just really Oh, it's just epic. It's just it's, it takes your it breath is. away. It is, it is, and um, there was there was an element, it, you know, and that that's why it's worth doing it. That's why it's worth going all all through the the training. Um, because I, I remember, and I don't know if I said this on one of the uh, previous podcasts, but having having fucked up the um the Hardmore two hundred, I got an injury. I was a little bit kind of anxious about this because I thought I've never had an injury that stopped me from doing a race. Am I going to be able to make sure I can keep that injury at bay? But you know, kind of like 
tackled the training head on anyway. And there was this, you know, there is this point about training for something like that around here when you're constantly going up and down Buttsit Hill, you think, what is the fucking point in this? You know, <laughs> like, am I really doing this? Am I, why am I, you know, why am I just doing five hours nonstop of running up and down Buttsit Hill? Because it sucks. And then you go and do that and it's fantastic. You know, it's, yeah, and it kind of makes all little, place. Yeah, all the sacrifice is worth it. And, uh, you need to, I do think you need to kind of like go and refresh your motivation and refresh your reasons to be doing a race like that anyway. So in the, in the weeks before we went up to do, uh, to see a friend that was doing the Lakelands 50 and 100 and go climbing up old man Coniston, I was, I was like, oh, this is the reason that I do it because when you're climbing up these mountains and going over the fells, and it's really beautiful. It's mm. you know, it really does remind you the reasons that you're doing it and the purpose that you have behind doing it. And it's really yeah. important not to forget about that because otherwise you're just not really going to put the kind of motivations in the training. Yeah, there's a, there's always there's always that payoff, isn't there? Whether it's you know, and even if it even if you're not going off to somewhere like Chamonix or or the Lake District or Wales to see these these great views, even just like you know, if you're doing a local race in your city or running along the pavement like the the payoffs at the end you know when you kind of you cross that line you you meet up with your friends have some have some group hugs and tears or whatever it is charity whatever you're raising for like that that's the payoff that's when you that's when everything kind of clicks and you think okay cool that's good at all it's like the conclusion it's it's the punchline of a joke it's the conclusion at the end of a book it's it just it make it it binds it all together yeah it does it does and i i remember uh earlier this year because i've where I work from home, I've got like my windowless seclusion room, I call it. <laughs> Sensory deprivation. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I thought, how am I going to remind myself to train for this? So literally on a, on a bit of paper, I just did a jiggly line that's sort of like a really, like literally a one-line mountain. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Long comes to it and put it on the on the wall just to kind of like remind myself that there's a reason for doing stuff. I need to come <laughs> and do the training. <laughs> You need you need um, to draw like you need you need to get like a Bob Ross drawing on the go and and see if you can get like a a painting done of of your view from the cabin. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So so listen, to your race, right? I'm I'm super keen to kind of hear how how the race like unfolded for you, um, who you started with because I know there was a group that went up from Portsmouth. In fact, you were part of a team called Super Sexy Ginger Daves, which was which was awesome, um, <laughs> which was great to see uh, every time we kind of looked at the app and stuff. But honestly, like from from my point of view, um, I know I know I've told you this already, but I followed the races all week, and it was it was just fucking like excitement end to end. Like watching you know watching you guys. There was a couple of people I was following who you know who I don't know, like James Anderson, um, yeah. who you know I'm sure you can mention in a bit did did amazingly well. Um, obviously Dave Poole, who we've had on the show as well. You kind of was, he was part of the, the Super Sexy Ginger Dave's team. So yeah, so so take us through kind of like you know how it all kind of unfolded, I guess. Like in I don't know if you want to chunk it up into into twenty five yeah. mile sections or something, but uh, yeah, go for it. Yeah, can't wait. Yeah, I'll, I'll try. I'll try my best. So <laughs> um, so uh, I guess like I, I'm on the website at the moment. So what I'll do is I'll try and read out what the TDS is. Um, okay cool that sounds good according to the UTMB website and then I'll compare this to what my experience was which was probably uh slightly kind of more painful than it will be to read out this um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so 
So it says beautiful, technical, wild, demanding. There are not enough adjectives to describe the TDS. The acronym for Sur la Trace des Ducs de Savoie, following the footprints of the Dukes of Savoie. The TDS links the Aosta Valley to the Savoie, allowing runners to discover the villages of the Tour du Mont Blanc and the mountains that surround them. Across this unique playground is to walk for history and mountains, the technical terrain and the kindness of its inhabitants blend together. In addition to its traditional departure from Cormier, the new edition of the TDS takes runners to explore the Beaufortain region. This incredible route winds through the most amazing places of the massive, such as Paz du Trey, with its breathtaking view of the Pierre Menta and Grand Mont, two mythical places for ski mountaineering. Not to mention Hortelis with its typical hamlets and its breathtaking view of Mont Blanc. This new TDS is waiting for you to take on the challenge. So, very, very easy to read, very, very cool. descriptive, makes you want to go, God, that sounds epic. So, the, the, the night, it, it's last year when they did this race, they, they started it, um, at, I can't remember what time they started, I think it was an evening start, something like that, or, or a lunchtime start, maybe 4pm. And uh, it's uh, and sadly, when when someone got to a part of the race, which was between Borg Saint Maurice and Cormier de Roseland, they they fell to their death. Yeah, I remember and, that. Uh, and it's a well kind of like uh, advertised part of the route because it is risky and it is it's got a lot of climb um, rocks on it and it's quite steep. So this time they, they decided to put everyone over that part in the daytime. So they had to start the race at midnight, which was just so brutal. Honestly, it, it yeah. made the Monday that we were there just drag on. Then, you know, like nine o'clock in the night, we got the bus from Chamonix to Cormier for a midnight start. Gosh. And it was just lots of waiting around. We were tired before it started, you know. But, yeah, because when do you sleep? Um, if, if you've got a midnight start, like like when when the hell do you sleep? I mean, you can't really. Well, you can't. No, you can't. You, you just sort of, I, I just laid in bed for a couple of hours and then was like, well, you know what, I'm just going to put my shorts and t-shirt on and I'm going to just have a couple of <laughs> cups of coffee and, and wait to go, really. Okay. Wow. So um, I went, went, got on the bus with a uh, Dave Pauldin today, James Anderson, and a couple of other kind of people that, that I think Dave knew that from, from previous years of doing the CCC. And um, so we had a couple of hours just waiting around Cormier, you know, buying some water and just generally taking photos and chatting and getting a bit excited for the race. So you know what it's like when you go and do these massive long races, you know, where um, you get anxious. There's loads of anticipation and a sense of kind of nervous excitement going on there. Oh yeah, there, there was all of that and more, and then there was the UTMB Grand kind of like over the top out French kind of um, approach to starting a race. So it had all the music and all the all the talking and uh, microphones and yeah, all the talking, all of this French shouting. Uh, they they fucked it all up by playing Coldplay at one point, much to the amusement of Dave. Oh, that's made me laugh. <laughs> yeah, it's, well, you know. Few years back, uh, Dave ran me on, uh, paced me on the Thames Par 100 and started uh, singing Coldplay at me. And he learned very quickly how much I hate Coldplay <laughs> at that moment in time. So he thought that was very, very funny. Anyway, like they, they do like a Mexican wave, they you know, there's this music blasting out to 
probably to the displeasure of all the people that live in Cormier. Yeah. And um, and then then you get you crack on, and there's probably a mile or two through Cormier, I think, to kind of like just separate the field out a little bit before you then start the first climb up, which I think I thought was the first climb of the um was the downhill into Cormier that you do on UTMB, but I, I don't think it was. It was slightly different. It was sort of like a wide ski slope, not very rocky, but you know because you're in the Alps rather than having 10 minutes go up the hill like you would at Butser Hill, the first climb is probably like an hour or two hours long. Oh my God. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so you know, it's, it, it becomes that kind of like head down, poles out, start, you know, try and manage your excitement, try and stay calm, back on up the hill. But, were, you, um, were you just like, were you just on your own? Did you, did you like, <laughs> did you walk up that first hill with Dave or did you like, did you just go solo at it? Yeah. So, the plan was to stick with Dave at the start and to try and keep up with James Anderson, who was like, who was like, no, going to run out really fast. And um, I, it, I couldn't run in those first couple of miles very fast at all. Now, a, a couple of weeks before, um, just as I was leaving the Lake District, actually on the 1st of August, which was my birthday, um, I, I got really, really unwell. And I was, it's the worst I've ever felt honestly I've, I've ever felt as Jeez. a person as a human person you know and for like three or four days I could hardly get oh, out sure, I didn't realize you were that bad yeah, yeah. oh shit sorry to you yeah and and it was this mystery temperature a uh, bit of phlegm you know and a really bizarre time to get like a flu um it, I don't think it was COVID there was no none of the COVID tests were positive but I just felt absolutely awful and that is that lingered for the three weeks before the race. And I, I when I, I was happy to get to the start line, but I wasn't in 100 percent shape. You know, I was I was not in top form. So over those first miles trying to run out of Cormier, I just felt that I couldn't get couldn't get into any kind of like running shape. I couldn't keep up with people. And I just thought there and then I was like, right, let's just ignore everyone else. Just do what you can. OK. So um, and and that, that that's what I did for the whole race, and I probably didn't run a step. <laughs> so um, it's you know the the first climb kind of go you know goes is is quite steep, and then you start to kind of get out to the raw, more rugged, remote parts of the uh, parts of the course, and it follows a little bit of kind of the the UTMB route. So there are so there are pathways, Dave. There are like like actual like flat gravel paths that you would maybe be able to compare oh, yeah. to like South Downs Way or something. Yeah, I mean it's it's not that buff like the South Downs Way, but you know at best it gets a bit rocky. <laughs> you know, okay. Like, okay. Most of the time it, it is like proper out terrain of lots of rocks, um, subrunnable yeah. bits, lots of incredibly steep hills. And um, the first part takes you up a climb, and then you, you sort of go down towards a. Um, like a, uh, you, you go to a water stop at a refuge and then the first major stop is Lac Combal, which is sort of like towards halfway when you're doing UCMB, but it's like it's a big lake and, you know, they've, you, they've got like a uh, marquee. God knows how they get their marquee there. It's crazy. Like, you know, they put all these marquees up and they're in the, in the middle of the mountains. It's quite impressive. Um, but, you know, like... The, as you know, when you've done 
uh, the UTMB races, there's amazing soup. They do the noodle soup. They have oh, rice, they have pasta, they have bread, cheese, Mars bars. And the, the aid stations were really, really bloody amazing, actually. And I, I can't remember them being that good. But the uh, up until Lackenbau, everything went pretty OK. And then you start this climb up to a place called, um, I think it was like Col de Petit Saint Bernard. As the, that, so this was the second climb, yeah? Yeah. Okay. And that was like the first real kind of like taster of how things might go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because it, it started to get rocky. It started to get very steep. And then you go up towards like the coal, which is where you do the kind of like mountain pass down the other side. And there were moments I was like, I'm pretty glad. I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm glad it's night time because if I look down to my right, I'm pretty sure there's a thousand foot drop there. <laughs> oh my God. So, so if, you, if you trip up there, you can, you would literally just go over the edge. Yeah, there were moments where you could, that you could definitely, definitely become, uh, you could definitely die kind of when you, if you tripped up and, and fell down. So, um, it may, it just reminded me that I just need to be super careful and to really kind of stay calm. Now, did the cold of Putty St. Bernard bit, and those 30, first 30 miles were, were really okay. Um, apart from like 16 miles in when we were coming down the other side of cold of Petit St. Bernard, um, I went over on my ankle, and that was like, uh, because the, it was quite kind of like okay trails. Yeah. So, and I always find when you're not concentrating, that's when you go over your ankle. If that was rocky, I would have been super aware of where I was putting my feet. But true, because yeah, it was true. easily runnable, and there was this long downhill, maybe of sort of like five to ten miles. I just wasn't concentrating. And um, so, listen, be, be, before you go on, what out of interest, you know, talking about your ankle rolling and stuff, what shoes were you were you in? Uh, I was wearing Salomon Sense Ride, which okay. I've, I've worn for years. So they, they just seem, seem to be that kind of like workhorse that you can use for everything. Okay, cool. Yeah, so they 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 they're comfy, work really well, and I think it's UCMB in them, so it's, they're they're definitely kind of rugged enough to be able to help you through that kind of um okay. so kind of terrain. Yeah, so about thirty miles in, so you're so, so you're you're going well, you've you're kind of moving steady at your own pace, um, feeling mm-hmm. okay. You've you've gone through that mountain pass. At 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 this point, did you know on your phone? Had you checked or been told? Like how far Dave was from you, how far James Anderson was. Did, did no, you know so going on? For, for none of the race, not, I did, at any point. Not, I've, I've never done that when I've done one of these races because I just don't care. Okay. Like, I, I know that I'm not going to be competitive when I go into one of these races. So I tend to be like a Japanese tourist and get my phone out all the time and constantly take photos of things. Well, okay. that's cool. yeah. And so I enjoy it. I, I enjoy the moment being in the mountains I'm not going to race the guy in front of me or hold the guy behind me back I don't care where I am I'm not doing it because I want the time yeah I'm yeah, doing yeah. it because I want to do well I'm doing it because I want to have a really really beautiful time in the mountains I, love I was that. given a time to aim for of 28 hours and that was like my kind of goal time but there was no point where I thought I need to I need to kind of speed up because I'm not going to make that Okay. It's just like an aim in the back of my mind. So I'm not going to break myself or risk my race to yeah. chase a time when, when I'm going to have an amazing day out. 
So the first 30 miles, I've got to say, when, when the sun came up, I was really disappointed with the race. And um, we'd gone past this beautiful lake and there was one of those kind of like, you know, sunrise moments over the lake where it just looked totally beautiful. And I can send you a photo to put on the uh, on social media if people want to see it. We'll we, um, yeah, we'll actually, actually we'll, we'll release that with the with the show notes in, and then everyone can kind of have a look. Yeah, yeah, I'll send some photos over. It's beautiful. And there was like you know one of those spiritual moments where you feel lucky and you can this is absolutely fantastic. And then there was one of the steepest hills I've ever seen in my life. Um, it was only very short. It was just like, you know, a little bit like Lulworth, that kind of thing. Okay. Um, up to an aid station, got some food, and then and then there was a long kind of, I think it was about 10 kilometres, maybe a little bit more down to Bourg St. Maurice, which was like the kind of real first big checkpoint to about a third of the way into race where you can kind of think, how am I doing? And that was about eight hours that I got to Bourg St. Maurice. But um, okay. I was really disappointed, actually, because... After this lake, there was this downhill and there were power lines. It didn't feel rugged. It felt like that I'd been lied to about the race because part of its appeal was that you were going to be out in the middle of nowhere, that you weren't going to be surrounded by anyone, you know, and that it was going to feel remote. And there we are with power lines, towns in the distance, you know, <laughs> a road next to you. And I felt totally cheated and it made me, it just put me on a real downer for like that whole downhill into Port St. Marie's. Okay. Um, but that was really, really the only bit um, that, uh, that, that did feel kind of like that you were near civilization. Now, there's the bit between Borg, Borg St. Marie's and Cormay de Roseland that Honestly, I can't tell you how much it takes to piss or take the piss. Because um, you, you climb up and I think there's probably something like a five or six thousand foot climb. Um, maybe wow. more than that. I think it's over two thousand meters that you do. So it's can we can, can we kind of put that in into comparison against Butter Hill for those for those listening who know Butter? How many how many reps of Butter would just that climb be equivalent to? Probably fifteen to twenty. At okay, least. so that's just one one climb between two aid stations, fifteen to twenty buses. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, imagine that, guys. Um, <laughs> maybe more than that. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not very. I'm not good at. I'm not good at that kind of like comparison. But the Borg Saint Maurice, you do this climb that is it goes on forever, up to a place called Fort de la Platte. And by this point, the sun was out. It was really, really hot. And after only like a mile or two, and you've got to, you've got to kind of like remember that doing a mile in these mountains can take you sort of 30 to 45 minutes. Yeah. So yeah. you really have to kind of like um, mentally reset around what your expectations are about time and about okay. comfort about time and about comfort about distance. Because if you're used to doing six, seven, eight minute miles on the flat, but you then go to 30 minute miles because it's hilly. You know, that's going to be a real kind of like period of adjustment for you around your expectations yeah. of how far you're going to get and how far it's going to take you. Because, you know, if I was to do 90 miles here, I could probably do it in 15 to 20 hours. 90 yeah. miles there can take you twice that or more. Um, and that and that really made me kind of think, OK, I'm going to have to try and stay calm here because this is going to take me a hell of a lot longer than I either planned or am used to, you know, 
and then it got to the point where I started to go sort of like 21 minute miles and I'd be really really pleased with that I think god I've got you know I'm just doing just under three miles an hour this is really good going okay and, and were you feeling okay at this point like like energy wise and stuff you were all okay with having been out for yeah that okay yeah I mean like I hadn't had any kind of energy problems for the whole race and I ate like a legend so my my kind of um, go-to in the race was when I got to an aid station was to have two bits of bread with cheese have a a cup of the soup with noodles and if I yeah. felt like I needed a hit of sugar at that point I would like grab a little bit of cake or a Mars bar okay and then like you know five minutes maximum at the a station and then go to you know put top up the bottles i don't think there's any benefit in you know spending more Hanging than around, five yeah. minutes because you know when if you've got 10 aid stations be five minutes each one it's almost an hour if you do 10 minutes or 20 minutes each one that's a massive chunk of your race time yeah um but at this point there was because it was so hot after this climb out of Bourg St. Maurice, there was this place called Fort de la Platte. And like mentally, that was my kind of like, if I can get to this point, then I'll be okay on this climb. And, and it took a while. It probably took a couple of hours of constantly going uphill. But I noticed that because it was so hot, my water bottles had kind of like run out. Okay. And um, they had a, a checkpoint up there. So I thought, oh, God, there's going to be a checkpoint. But it wasn't a, an aid station. It was just one of those guys with the wands to make sure that you got to that kind of... Oh, like, no, dude. So you're like, where the flipping arm are the water from? Yeah, but lo and behold, there was this woman, yeah, who had taken a truck full of Coke and, like, Orangina and stuff to the top of Fort de la Platte and was selling it for five euros a can. Blimey. I did, yeah, I know. I didn't give a shit though. I was like, can I have two cans of that, please? And like paid with my phone. And she had a card machine as well. I was like, this woman is amazing. <laughs> she was just at the right spot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, like, you know, after that bit, I was, I, I remember, like, um, this is going to get a little bit deep. But after that point of Fort de la Platte, it does kind of like settle down a little bit and you have like these ups and downs and there's some rugged kind of running to be done and some lakes and that. And you slowly climb up to that, up towards this point, which is where there's like this, a really dangerous bit. But um, I had my Coke and I found like a trough, a castle trough to fill up my bottles in. So I was much happier about getting to the next like aid station because because like of the way the TDS is set up, you can quite often be five to six hours between aid stations. So there's that element of kind of having to look after yourself and preserve some energy, preserve some food, make sure that you've got enough of what you need. Yeah. And honestly, man, the place was so beautiful that it just took my breath away. And I was, I, I, I remember thinking that I, I think I'm the luckiest person that's ever lived. And amazing. I was in the mountains, the, we were in this valley and it was stunning. There was this high, rocky, shard peak in front of us. There was you know, mountain trails going like all over the place. There were some cows, you know, there were people that were just trudging along doing their race, you know, all being quiet. And you, you, to just take in the uh, scenery, it was, it was just like, I felt like the luckiest person in the world. Sounds epic. You were, it sounds like you were in a good mind space as well then to be to be feeling. Yeah, that. so that's, yeah, that's good. Camera was out and there was honestly like 
but one of the things that I kind of like about doing these kind of things is it, is it strips you back to what you have at that time. And all you have is your head, you know, the food that you've got on you and the need to carry on. Yeah. And the need to, to kind of like adapt to situations and to and to move. And in my head, I was like, I don't need anything different in my life right now. I've got a beautiful partner. I've got a beautiful baby. I'm in one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. I could just walk this in really slowly and finish in that kind of like 44 hour time and probably have an amazing time because of where I am. Yeah. And like all expectations of the race at that point just went. And I was like, I'm just going to enjoy it. Cool. And like it was calm, like took some deep breaths and I thought, this is fucking amazing. I'm loving this. You just kind of gave in, gave in to the, to the nature of it all and just kind of just to have that experience that you promised yourself, man. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, exactly that. So I then kind of like took myself back a little bit more and, you know, in my kind of like thinking about things and took some more photos, didn't kick my ass at any point. I'm glad you're representing the social media department there, Dave. Thanks. Thanks so much. Because you know, you, cause I wasn't there to do it for you. <laughs> no, no. And then, and then just had a beautiful time. And by the time you get up to this peak, that was, um, which is where the guy sadly died like last year. I can't remember what it's called, but we have a look here. Yeah. Um, uh, what is it? Is it, is it one of the... Is it, one of Cold, the... Yeah. Cold, cold, the jolly. No, that was that's further on in the race. Um, but I got up there and I, I like had to sit down and like drank another can of coke and I was just like I was so happy. Um, and then you do this kind of like cliff. It's almost like going down a cliff um, with chains and stuff. And, and around that point, I could see sort of where people were going, like on their kind of like mountain on the trails. And, and it looks really, really sketchy in places. But once you get up there, it's not so bad. You know, you just hang on to the chains and stuff. So, and you'd be okay. Dave, can you can I just ask quickly? Like, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned kind of the chains, and I, and I know you did kind of earlier as well. But like, I've I've always tried to picture the chains and how they fit in because when I when I see a mountain path, obviously I've run the CCC, and it was kind of like very you know you know looked after trails there was i mean you can still fall and die in in a lot of places but how do the chains work like are you are you actually like do you have to hold onto the chains and if you let go you will fall or is it like they're just added protection yeah it is added protection but it will be at a point where there's there's a sheer drop to one side or if you fall then you probably will die (laughs) okay because you know you're not just going to kind of like roll down a few um, you're you're so just gonna drop. You're just gonna drop and fall and and hit rocks. Yeah, and oh, I'll, okay. I'll, I'll I'll put some more photos up of that as well. Yeah, if you could um, if you could do, I'll I'll add so them the, on. And then, yeah, thanks. The first bit was on on an angle, and there was and so the path was on quite a distinct slope. So it was best to kind of like hold on to that chain. But okay. after the peak, after the coal, it was it was rock climbing down, and I think that you know the chains were there to like on to just in case you trip because if you do trip then you're going to have a significantly big fall that's and it's going to be on rocks and you're probably going to die okay um, oh gosh but, it, but you know it felt it, it was beautiful and you, you do remind yourself of what happened though the, the year before and to take extra extra care when you go down 
Now that I got down to that at like sort of midday and it was really, really hot. And that was the first and only time that my stomach started to go. Um, and <laughs> I was running along this flat bit towards this place called Cormay de Roseland, which was incredibly beautiful. Um, but looking forward to the aid station, but because I finally started to do some running probably for the first time since Cormayeur, okay. stuff, stuff started to get jibbled around and then my bowels suddenly were like, right, we need to go. <laughs> okay. So I was like looking around for this place to, to kind of like go and hide and have go to the toilet. And then um, <laughs> well, I found this rock to hide behind and there was no one that I could see that was around. I pulled my shorts down did my business and then out of nowhere this guy came around the corner with a cowbell and was like Allah, Allah, Allah. and then all these bloody people appeared <laughs> and I was, <laughs> I was you had an audience like, kind of, yeah I was there kind of like oh shit quickly sorted myself out and then got to the aid station now oh. the, the next few couple of bits like you get got to Cormay de Roseland and there was loads of crews there and it was this really beautiful part of the Alps that still then felt quite remote and you know out in the middle of nowhere still yeah that bit between Cormay de Roseland and the place called Gittaz was was really really beautiful and there was some kind of like these cliff type moments where you kind of skirt your way around the mountain uh, and that that was just like another one of those beautiful moments to to savour um, which you know was is the story of the race really you know you just sort of look around you appreciate where you are mm-hmm. and really enjoy yourself so uh, but after that you, you come down to this place called Beaufort which was had a long downhill and that's where the first uh, it was the first point of the race where I actually thought this is getting really difficult now because the, okay. the uphills were fine but the downhills started to kind of neg me out a little bit because I don't have any speed on the downhills Okay, can't so, really. Can't so you're really you're, you're at about mile fifty, mile fifty to sixty here, yeah. About about mile fifty. Yeah. So yeah. about fifty miles in, you're met with a comp, uh, with a non-stop six and a half thousand feet downhill bit. <laughs> okay. Which is pretty much non-stop, and and that was that was tough, man. That was like really, really, really hard because it was rocky. I didn't have any confidence on the downhills. Um, and I was just getting passed by loads of people and it, it just made it really the whole thing really kind of difficult and painful and not enjoyable at all yeah it was going through woods you couldn't see much it was hot got a bit grumpy but um what kept me going is I was going to see my mum and Heather and Hetty at Beaufort which was the kind of 100 kilometer mark where you've got men just have another couple of big climbs to go before you finish cool okay and, which uh, must which must have been a big massive relief yeah but it, it took ages to get down this hill and i'm talking like hours to get down and it was it was just super neggy <laughs> my quads yeah. hurt. i didn't think i'd be able to run after it because my quads were in such a crap shape um well, i got down to Beaufort eventually and there was no hetty there because she wasn't allowed on the bus but it was amazing to see like heather and my mum yeah. Um, so I had a couple of kind of like hugs and almost some tears. Oh, thinking of, you know, uh, kind of wanting to stop, but has absolutely no no excuse to stop at all. And neither would I have stopped either. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I, I, I do want to ask as well. Um, 
the I, I have noticed that there's a lot of supporters, like especially like international supporters and stuff that, that end up kind of at these aid stations, um, you know, obviously seeing family and friends and, and, and crews that help out as well. But like at the same time, I'm you know, when I ran CCC and I saw all this going on, I was like, we're in the middle of the mountain somewhere. How how do people get there? How did Heather and your mom like get to these aid stations? Is there like a service that's offered as part of the race? Yes, you have to pay for it, but there's the UTMB bus service. So for the TDS races and all the others, ah, they, they, okay. they put on a, a pretty regular bus service. Got it. Um, Got it. So it, it, it costs you about 30 or 40 pounds. But what you get with that is for the whole week, you can go to anywhere on that UTMB route. So if okay. you're following people in the TDS, you can follow them around the TDS route to clap them in and stuff. And then for the rest of the week, if you want to go to Cormier, if you want to go somewhere else, just jump on the UTMB bus. So it's, it's really worth doing. Oh, nice. OK, that, that's cool. That, that's cleared that up in my mind because I, I was never sure like whether people just had to work out what the local transport system was and then work out how to get there. But um also there's no i guess there's no border crossing around there is there to go to jump from country to country no no i think no there, there isn't at all no i think okay. this was, this was still in france or we're back in france by this point yeah anyway so i think by this point as well Dave, worth worth yeah. noting when you when you i think when you get to, to beaufort like from what i can remember on the map like i think that's one of the furthest points away from mont blanc so you're like you're quite a way away from like the view yeah. of the mountain from there so I guess from now you start to make your way like almost like on in a straight line almost to Chamonix don't you that's right that's right um yeah yeah you do so well, when I got to Beaufort I wasn't feeling that that great but I did my thing of like having some pasta and I actually saw um the other half of Super Sexy Ginger Dave's and he, I think he was feeling it as well at that point so, so what, what what time was this? What, what time did you in did you um meet back up with Dave? Because he had obviously been running ahead of you, and we could see like the the, yeah. the those gaps opening earlier on, and then kind of closing towards towards that time. I reckon that must have been about six seven o'clock in the evening. That I got down to Beaufort, so I'd been on my feet for probably eighteen hours ish. Okay, maybe a little bit more. And uh, then yeah, so I saw Dave, and we were both feeling a little bit. So we both had a lie down. Um, just to recharge because I, I as a rule I'll only ever kind of like for this kind of race I'll just lay down for 10 minutes and I find that that's enough time to kind of almost feel like a whole night's sleep and um, so I got some food on had my lie down and then when it was time to go you know it was like actually I feel brilliant now and that, that kind of weight off my feet for 10 minutes kind of really really helped yeah um but it, it did take it does take a little bit of while to a little while to kind of get going again, and then at that point you've got one big hill and a downhill to go to Lake Consumine, which is followed by one big hill and a downhill to go to Chamonix. Okay, so the last couple you know, of hills. About, yeah, so it's about each each about fifteen miles long. So. Uh, Dave and I were doing that and kind of like helping each other up the hill. There was definitely that kind of like codependency thing going on where he would be in front for, you know, an hour and then I would go in front for a, for an hour and just kind of like dragging each other up the hill. Was there any humour uh, at this point or was it all was it all pretty like like heavy breathing and, and heads down? 
No, but yeah, there's a little bit of that. You know, we, we, we tried to keep the humour going for as long as we possibly could, but there was still a lot of kind of like, you know, head down, keeping quiet, cracking on. Okay. Um, as as we got to it, got um up towards Cold de Jolly. Now the 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 Col de Jolly took the piss again because there was that you could see the aid station in the distance, and and to me it looks like it was only like a couple of miles. Okay. But the route took you right the way round to this like you know like the longest route you possibly could. So even though you think you're going to be there in about half an hour, it still probably took us two hours to get to it. Okay. So there wow. was this sort of like some some cows. There was it would start to get a bit muddy in places. It started to get a bit chilly because it was night time and the head torches were back on again. And there was this like God, just get me to the aid station kind of feeling so that I can have some food and then you know, tackle the downhill. And I think we both at that point were kind of like starting to feel it quite a lot. And I certainly was. And I, I tend to kind of like go a bit introverted when I'm not feeling that good and okay. uh, you know get a little bit quiet and you know hopefully not get too grumpy um but it, it took us ages to get up to Col de Jolly and by the time we got up there both of us were feeling a little bit and um we had to have a little bit to sit down so I broke my kind of like five minute at the A station rule I okay. got some food in me and then and then I gave Dave, Dave my Red Bull, but that, sadly for him, that didn't stay down. And then right. after kind of like, you know, just sitting there for probably 10, 10 minutes or so, we started to get a bit chilly. So I made the decision to kind of like get up and get out and start moving again so that we can get some get some warmth back in us. Yep. And it's um, amazing how quickly that warmth comes back. Eh? When you're when you're cold and you start shivering, you're right. It's like it's your it's your last minute signal to get out. But that warmth yeah. does does definitely come back within a few minutes. Yeah, it definitely does. You know, and, and you, you have to like the thing about these things is that if you get cold, you need to adapt. So if, if you're getting cold and grumpy, put on a you know, put on a layer, but carry on walking, carry on running as much as you can to kind of get that kind of like get that warmth back in you so you need to kind of think on your feet sometimes and, and one part of the reason that these things are really good and are a challenge is that you do need to problem solve to a certain extent so that you know if if early on in the race you're not feeling that great you might need some food if your stomach starts to go what am I then going to kind of like uh, you know eat or drink at the time um, yeah. yeah so and like we did the kind of like downhill to Lake Ontemean and, and we started to get slower and slower. And then it was that point that, that, that Dave was like, you crack on. I don't think I'm going to be able to carry on. And was trying to kind of encourage him to come along and, and wanted to kind of wait around for him. But he's really insistent on me going and, and bless him. He, he wasn't able to carry on any further past Lake Ontemean. Um And then, you know, like... I did a couple of minutes at Lake Ontamine and then just cracked on. And now I can't really like describe to you just how much the next bit takes the piss. Um, it's not uh, probably because it's late on in the race, um, but I've never seen anything so steep in my life. And um, you basically like come out of Lake Ontamine and then you go back towards the Mont Blanc Massive up to towards the glacier. Yeah. And um, to this to this cold or cold cold tree cold or cold yep, tree. Right. So T R I C O T. And uh, it brings you out near a glacier, and then there's a refuge called Refuge de Montpain Glacier. 
and now like sadly that previous day someone had got to this point and, and had had a serious accident and died on, on in, in in that kind of area of the mountain okay as, as part of the ptl race and, um, so that was, was that, that was the race that started the day or a couple of days before yours yeah the, the longer race yeah yeah so that yeah. race is 300 kilometers done as a team race and yeah takes you about a week i think <laughs> it's, it's a real crazy race that i would love to do one day but um like you, you sort of do this climb up out of lake Ontamine and then a downhill and then i could see in the distance these like um head torch lights going up and it it was the first time in the whole race that you could see a climb from the distance and see how steep it was now, i couldn't see like any of the kind of what it liked but what, what it looked like you just see the head torches and they look like they were just flat on a wall <laughs> going up there and it, honestly i was like that is so fucking steep i don't think i'm going to be able to do that and it's Jeez. i think probably probably the only time in a race that i've ever freaked out and wow. just for a moment i was like fuck i, I can't believe like I can't believe we have to do this but and this is the final yeah. short climb the final climb that you have to do yeah so it was yep. about 1700 feet up in about a mile wow okay um, so it was quite it was quite steep and quite but not that long um but you know you, you either kind of crumble or you just take it on and in the end I was like right I'm up for this challenge so trudged up that incredibly slowly you know climbing up over the rocks and they had this kind of like switch back going up right to the top to the coal um and lo and behold lo and behold when you get up there you think that wasn't as bad as it was going to be and there was this like lovely smiley man up there to check you in and send you on the way back down um towards les hooch and then towards the finish in chamonix so the last downhill just kind of you know took ages and i got passed by a lot of people there were some more chains more rocks but you know it's fantastic you know you're coming near to, to near to the end and uh did that last bit and got got into chamonix at about kind of nine o'clock the next morning so it was it was wonderful got got cuddle from hetty so heather so my mom's oh, friends and it was just like excellent excellent That's amazing stuff. and then did you yeah. and, and sadly dave other well the the half of uh, sexy ginger dave's team um he didn't he didn't carry on out of that that aid station no so i think he he, he called it a day at lake Consumine, which you know is, is still a banging effort on the course huge and, uh, james anderson i think was about four or five hours ahead of me and i think he did 28 and a half which is you know hats off to him man he's an incredible runner and good on him that's amazing yeah he did he did really well he was he was like quite high up in the in the brits in the Brit, british um men's finishers wasn't he excellent yeah good man good man yeah, yeah. so i loved his um his pre-race photo that, that that you guys kind of shared shared with me was him sat on the start line with a cigarette <laughs> <laughs> what a what a way what, a bit of a bit of carb loading it <laughs> yeah exactly Dude, <laughs> honestly, like that that experience, the way you've kind of just described it with all the places and the the beauty mm-hmm. and the lakes and like the cow. I remember the cows and cowbells in that in that kind of area. It sounds just like spectacular. Do you think like as an experience, it was everything that you thought it was going to be, or was it more or less? Yeah, 
it was it was harder than I thought it was going to be because I, okay. in hindsight I do think it's harder than UTMB. It might it's probably ten minutes short. Uh, it's ten minutes. Uh, ten minutes. Ten miles shorter. Mm-hmm. Um, but what it does give you is a similar amount of elevation over rugged terrain and in some sketchy remote parts of the Alps. Okay. Um, which you which you don't necessarily get on UTMB because it's more buff trails. Okay. Um, it's it's pretty brutal it's but it's beautiful and it's one of those things that you've got to remember that you're incredibly lucky to be fit enough to take it on and i say to people that i might go out for a beer with you know i would thoroughly recommend giving it a go and they might not be able to run one or two or three miles at the time but they might only be able to do five or ten k but with a little bit of kind of like you know purpose and hard work you can easily get to your, yourself to that point where you're able to at least finish something yeah. like this Absolutely. what it gives you is it takes you to places that you will never ever experience unless you do it you know i, I would never go to these places you yeah know, some people might you know some people might go hiking there or they might go on holiday and just go you know drive a car up to visit certain areas but for me it takes me to somewhere that i'll never go you know, I'd never previously have thought of going. So it and it and that's why it is amazing because you see these yeah, sites that not many people go and see and you get to experience these kind of crazy weird trails in remote parts amazing. of the world. So, uh, I'd I'd like to add as well that um you were really good at the looking at the cameras when you came into a lot of the aid stations because <laughs> Honestly, like another thing that baffles me about this race, you know, with all the organization that, that goes on, because yeah. there's there's thousands and thousands of people doing different races. I don't know how UTMB managed to get everyone to the start lines, all the all the runners who retire home. It's, it must just be unbelievable. But, but at the same time, in these remote places, they'll have a camera system set up with a live feed. So you can see your runners yes. kind of coming through and you were really good at like looking at the camera, giving a little wave or a dance or, or pulling a gun signal to your head like I'm tired. And <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I did yeah. I did catch all of those um, during the week as well. I was like, oh, yeah, Dave knows we're watching. He knows we're watching. You've got to perform for the camera, haven't you? <laughs> Absolutely. You're, 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 you're also in the world's biggest poser group, yeah? <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> nice, yeah, nice. It's, and... it's mega. But as a week's holiday, it was one of the most unrestful holidays I've ever had in my life. <laughs> Start, starting the week off with a nice five mile run. Yeah. And then the day after, we had to follow head around our OCC route, which was, which sounded incredibly hard as well. And I think she you know, she did it amazingly. And in all honesty, seeing her do that was better than any ultra finish that I could have done personally. Because yeah, you know, how much I'll she enjoyed sec- it. Yeah. I'll second that, Dave, because like I followed Heather um, in her race and I kind of know that this is like her kind of comeback race, I guess, which is like what an epic, an epic comeback race to come to come to something, something as hard as the OCC after having Hetty and after kind of, you know, getting back into training routines and and being a mom and, and, you know, having, having work to do and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's just like, it's incredible really. And following her through the race, was exciting because you know we know that at, at some points they were she was chasing the cutoffs um yeah. and i was kind of you know watching where she was because it's really cool when you follow along with the races on the on the website it's it's really detailed and you can mm. see where they, they show you in sections but between the eight eight sections where the majority of the people are 
So I yeah. think I think Heather was kind of running probably slightly behind where the bulk of the people were. And and I know you'd yeah. said, look, it, it, it's getting tight with the cutoffs. And I was like, it, it, it was super exciting. But Heather, uh, you know, what a warrior. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like Absolutely. Pulled through, got through all of her low moments, said it was the hardest thing she's ever done. And she's uh, she's never doing it again. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we saw it at two points, which was in Trion and uh, in Argentier. Yeah. This is she's coming. So Trion, she looked um, like she hadn't realised what she'd let herself in for, <laughs> like a rabbit in headlights. Bless. Oh, um, bless. And the good thing about Heather is she's fucking good at eating. Like, I've always told her that, you know, like, all of these things are just an eating competition as opposed to a, a running competition. Like, the people okay. that eat the most are the people that finish quickest um, and quick and, and finish, like, well. Yeah. And she She's always been, like, stuff in her face. And bless her, when she got into three on, she had some cheese, she had some bread. Brilliant. She said how hard it was. And, the, and then that bit between three on and Argentia, she, you know, like, really kind of upset her. She didn't mm. realise how rugged it was going to get and like rock climbing with chains and stuff like that that um, made her realise kind of how precious life is really because she's got a little baby and, you know, didn't yeah. want to kind of like hurt herself. So I think she found it incredibly kind of difficult to do that bit and she got really angry. Um, so when, when she was down at Argentier, it, it must have taken her, it took her hours to do that kind of bit between Trion and Argentier. Okay. Massive uphill and then a downhill. She was 20 minutes inside the cutoff and I was getting a bit anxious and then she was upset. Oh, and she nice. then pulled through. Like, yeah, she pulled through and uh, like smashed to the next hill up to Flegere and was, was like half an hour quicker than they, they had a predicted time on. And so we got back to Chamonix and we were like, now Heather's already up Flegere and then there's just like one downhill down into Chamonix and you know seeing her finish the smile on her face and like the jubilation was just awesome brilliant brilliant but we were with, all nervous wrecks <laughs> I bet I bet with with that kind of like that those thoughts that you just said she had about you know kind of being a mom she didn't want to hurt herself and stuff was there also like the flip side when she came through the finish where like she realized oh my god you know look at what I've just done and, and achieved and accomplished being being a mum. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think, you know, w- once you allow it to kind of sink in a little bit over, over the next day or two, I think that, you know, probably with hindsight, she did enjoy it and was incredibly pleased with herself. So. Yeah. And uh, we, were, we were there in our matching, um, matching gilets at the end. Nice, nice. In fact, that if, if you've got a photo of you guys both in your gilets, I would love to include that on the show notes as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll send you. I'll send you one of them because uh, I think we both look a bit tired and <laughs> in it, but it's quite funny. Brilliant. Gilet wankers together. <laughs> <laughs> that, dude, amazing! Absolutely amazing. Like honestly, like just congrats again. I, you know, I, I was really sad I couldn't be there this year, and obviously I, I tried to get in. Uh, to the ballot and stuff but that got a no unfortunately so it wasn't meant to be but yeah, yeah really it, it does make me kind of like I think you've kind of inspired me a little bit with this TDS race and and you know where the fact I think next year you don't it's one of those races you don't have to have the qualifying race for I believe so maybe yeah. you know maybe try and try and get into that next year or the year after um yeah, yeah I'll- 
just do it. It's it's brutal, but it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. question is, Dave, would you do it again? <sighs> See, uh, would I go? It's part of the UTMB thing, and I'm I'm, I'm starting to think that I, I would recommend everyone else give it a go. I don't know whether my time at UTMB is up now because I, the only race that I really want to do that they've got now is PTL. So I'd like to find one or two other people that want to okay. do the PTL with me. You don't you don't uh, want to do the CCC at some point? No, I, I don't think I've got any need to do that because I've done UTMB, so I've done that part of the course as well. Fair um, enough, yeah. I would probably do the OCC because that's slightly different. But okay. no, I, I don't think I, I, I mean, I would do TBS again if loads of friends said, let's go and do it. Then, yeah, probably. But I, <laughs> there's other races that I've got my eyes on, like Spartathlon or Ultra Tour Monte Rosa, Tour de Gilles, that kind of thing. So Yeah, yeah. Well, there's, there's exciting stuff coming up. I've Obviously, we, you know, we've already been talking about next year and, and, and what races we're doing. But the year isn't over yet, Dave. It's... it's uh, <laughs> are you are you talking about what you what you're doing next uh this 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 new this new pop-up yeah so i think are you talking about it <laughs> yeah yeah we're, we're, i'm talking about it so I'm, I'm actually i've been posting about it on on instagram obviously and train obviously because you know I, I i post like a like world's biggest poser anyway um yeah but uh yeah i'm in the thick of the training for mark cobain's uh, 100 100 mile track race so I'll be going around a track 400 yeah. times, I think it is. Excellent. Yeah, well, I'll be joining you on that then. That'd be awesome. <laughs> I'm so excited, man. So that's going to be yourself, uh, Jason Skiro, and and me going along as a, as a kind of Portsmouth awesome. trio. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's time for a race, man. I know. I can't. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it, dude. I, I you know, I've I've done I've done various kind of bits of training over the last few weeks, and and one of the things I did, which was kind of, I guess, inspired by your idea, which was the the Canoe Lake Marathon. Yeah. Um, a few weeks ago, just to kind of get a feel for, and and actually, you know, to explain this now would probably be really good because I've had loads of comments from people saying, "Why would you do something like that? Why?" Mm-hmm. And th- the answer is like to see how the body responds to to hours of of turning around the same corner. Um, yeah. How the, how the mind feels, kind of seeing. Yeah, the same because Canoe Lake's almost 400 meters uh, long. In fact, yeah. it's just over. So yeah, just kind of, I just wanted to kind of see what it feels like going round and round and round in circles like that. And and you know what? It's actually quite pleasant. <laughs> you can't get lost. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, you can you can yeah. on the day we'd have ac- access to our to our drop bags and stuff. But yeah, I, I mean, a marathon is very different to a hundred. So we'll see. No nav issues there then. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm I'm very I'm really curious about this track race because. You know, I think on some of the like the, the track races that maybe like your GB athletes go to and stuff, they they tend to turn them every so often, like every four to six hours they turn they switch direction. I don't know whether Mark does that with his. I don't know. I don't know. Or if he's going to make us crawl over broken glass or or something. <laughs> I saw a um uh, a comment by Karen Weber which. On, on Monday, that's on Facebook, where she said she she sort of underlines that approach of the top pain races to say that if anyone comes to her looking for sympathy or if anyone wants some protection under the under the uh, gazebo, then they can bloody well put her off. <laughs> <laughs> <There's> no... <laughs> Bless her, Karen. Karen's Karen's hard airs, isn't she? But she's but she's lovely as well. <laughs> 
she'll keep you going in a race if you if you've got any doubts about it for sure it'll be a new experience that one won't it because it, it will be good the polar opposite to a, a mountain race it'll be good yeah listen dude awesome awesome for sharing your experience um i know that, that we've we, you know we're due to catch up very soon in fact i think we're, we're due to go out for a run uh and and burger and beer later this evening which is going to yes. be awesome yeah yeah for sure and and yeah just want yeah just thanks again Dave for showing showing the experience and, and congrats right. to you and Heather and catch up soon and I, I've promised to do a, get another show set up for a couple of weeks time all the best love to Hetty love to Heather and see you soon take care cheers, cheers. Cheers, bye